both men are law. You know, we get after it. Now let's say you and I go toe-to-toe -to -toe on bird law and see who comes out the victory. You know, we jab a jaw, we go tip the tat, we have our little differences. This is an open and shut case, and anybody who can't see that is a savage and an idiot! I'm not saying I agree with it, it's just that bird law in this country is not governed by reason. There's no such thing as bird yes, law. Yes, there is. But at the end of the day, you win some, I win some, and there's a mutual respect. Listen up, dumb nuts. I'm just the best bird lawyer in the world. You're not my representative. I will be talking for myself. Bird law? Hello and welcome to the Bird Law Podcast. I'm Rusty Grapple. My co-host is with me, Adam Butler. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Google Play. You can find it on Twitter, at BirdLawPod. You can find me on Twitter, at He's Very Good. And you can find Adam at LanceDance1. Well, uh, let's uh, jump right in then and get back on the horse uh, with the podcasting. Obviously, it's been since uh, I think it was... July, whenever I saw that we did our last podcast. So, uh, I think the trade deadline just had us too mad to do it again. <laughs> yeah, it really, uh, it took away our motivation. That was for sure. <laughs> and then, and then once things start going well for the team, you're like, well, what are we even going to talk about? Good stuff. That, that's no fun. So yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to write and podcast, uh, when there's not much bad things to say. So, well, that, uh, during the season, it just gets outdated so quick. So it's like, yes, it does. You say something, then two days later, you're wrong about it. So like, well, no one listens to that. Yeah. Yeah, that happens all the time. And uh, so, luckily, in the off season, they last a little bit longer. And we can only hope that they become outdated quickly because that means the team is doing something and we have something else to talk about. So, right. you know. Win-win in that in that situation. So anyway, uh, where do we want to start? I guess maybe we'll just run through, you know, what we think they they could need this off season. Um, try to kind of look at what direction that could go. I mean, we've gotten a pretty good indication just based on the reporting and the end of season press conference on kind of the general uh, idea of the offseason being they're not really pursuing something in particular like they did, uh, you know, when they went after Fowler, when they went after Goldschmidt, when they went after Ozuna, um, so the la and when they went after uh, Peralta back in 2014. Um, this year they really don't have any specific pursuit it's more of a read the market and maybe some opportunity will come up. Uh, but in general, they're, they're happy with what they have if they don't do anything. Um, which you brought this up to me in a, in a text a while back that that was kind of what the Brewers did whenever they got Yelich. They were kind of satisfied with where they were if they didn't get him. But then they were able to get him, and so they became a contender. It's a little bit different for the Cardinals because they're trying to be a contender and, uh, you know, and improve, but where the Brewers were content not to contend. So whatever. Anyway, 
Well, what, what are you what are you thinking about their offseason plans? Uh, I think, well, honestly, I think me and you are some of the only fans that are okay with just a, a boring offseason if it plays out that way. Uh, I think the team that they have now, I, I like their the way that their approach is playing out, the way they've talked about it, If I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Because, you know, I certainly don't think they should sit the offseason out by any means, but... I think if nothing comes up and they go into the into next season with more or less what they have right now, I, I think that's okay. Um, but I do think that goes back to what we opened up the podcast with. If they go into the season with what they have now, they better be prepared to address any needs at the trade deadline because, um, you know, I think if they don't add an outfielder, you, you're basically saying, okay, we're going to find out what we've got within. Well, more than likely, they're only going to have two, th- two out of three good outfielders. If they have three, that's amazing. But uh, if they have a need, they need to address that. And then the starting rotation, you know, comfortable with it, but there's a pretty good chance it would uh, it would need addressing by midseason, just through injury or um, you know some of the guys that we you know like Orion Helsley, who, you know we we view as rotation depth right now, but pretty good chance that you know a couple months into the season he submitted himself into a bullpen role and if they have a need in the rotation come up he's not available to fill it so um you know i think it just comes down to that like you don't have to you know have all the answers on opening day but by august you better have them right and that's something that the uh, trade deadline this year kind of, you know, makes you leer hip out because they obviously at that point had a need for a starting pitcher because Michael Walker had pitched himself out of the rotation by then he, you know, after the fact he was able to rebound and have a decent second half. Uh, but at the time they could have clearly used a, a fifth starter or a, another starter. Uh, and they, they didn't go out and address that. So that, that, kind of makes you wonder and really the last few offseason or last few trade deadlines they've been extremely quiet so uh that you know it makes you question whether they will go out and address the need that arises uh, because they really haven't the last couple of years um but then again that's i mean that's what they're setting themselves up for so they they would need to do that to follow through um whether that happens, I, I don't know. But, yeah, as far as, you know, improving the team, it, it is the, that outfield situation is where it would happen, uh, either improving from within or, or finding someone from the outside. Uh, there's a, a whole stable of candidates, obviously. There's, um, you know, you have Fowler returning, Bader returning, which Derek Gould keeps uh, saying that the team is talking about Bader as a returning starter, so I don't I don't care for that. But uh, whatever, I think he should have to earn his earn his job back. Um, but whatever. Anyway, besides them, you have Lane Thomas, uh, Randy Rosarena, Dylan Carlson, Tyler O'Neill, uh, Justin Williams, and uh, Adolis Garcia are kind of on the outside of that. Uh, and of course, Tommy Edmond can get in the mix. I, I think I got everybody there. Um, but you, you would hope that somebody emerges from that group 
Uh, Dylan Carlson, obviously the big name as the top prospect. And I think we uh, agree on him that he probably should have been up in August, but he definitely needs to be up at the, you know, on opening day. There's no reason not to, uh, if you have the opening in the outfield. So, you know, um, what, what, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm with you on Carlson. I think, uh, I don't think he has anything left to show in the minors. I, I guess if, you know, there could be a, a situation in, uh, in spring that plays out where he kind of gets outplayed. And, and if that happened, um, yeah, I don't have any issue with sending him down for a short amount of time, but I'm I'm pretty confident he would just go to Memphis and rake. So I guess I, I guess what I'm trying to say is if it plays into their hands a situation where they could get an extra year of control, then I, I, I get why they would do that and you know, keep him down for the two to three weeks. Um but and the Cardinals have shown that they're they don't really go that route in the past. But I, I think um you know, I think if if other players outplayed him in spring, I think they would send him down. Um, but he needs to be up quick because he he looks ready. He looks like he honestly looks like their best outfielder right now, um, which is you don't always know because he hasn't played in the majors. But um, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he was the best outfielder in their organization right now. Um, but yeah, I think as far as Bader. Um, you know, uh, right as it stands right now, I think it's fine to call him. You know, say he's the incumbent or whatever. But um, could be, I guess just because you have left field open for competition still, and there's still some at bat. You know, I, I always look at the outfield as uh, four players for those three positions because there's there's enough playing time to go around for four guys. So it's not that big of a deal to me if he's, you know, goes into spring as the starter, as long as they approach it as, you know, he, he can be outplayed in spring, then uh, I'm fine with that. The thing with Bader though, is that he's probably going to rake in spring because whenever pitchers don't, you know, whenever, if a pitcher's up there to work on a pitch, he's probably going to crush it unless he's working, unless the pitcher's trying to work on a slider. Um, but you know, you saw in season, people just weren't throwing him fastballs, and he couldn't he couldn't do anything. So, I think in spring he'll probably get his fastballs, and uh, he'll probably hit well well enough to earn a job. So, I, I'm preparing myself for that. But um, all in all, I think that the outfield mix is is interesting. What they do with Fowler is interesting because uh, that's another spot that they could used to sort of find out what they have, but he's getting the money. He didn't exactly play himself out of a spot, but he didn't exactly earn a spot either. If you know what I mean? Like he, he was kind of just this like, you know, okay player that I, I I don't really know what you do with him. Um, I guess you just let him play. And if he's getting outplayed, bench him, but, he's kind of, I know we've talked about it. He's kind of the ideal fourth outfielder right now. He he's capable of playing all three spots if you need him to. And he's, you know, a, a useful replacement. You just, you would hope to get more out of that spot. Right. Yeah. He's the type of guy. Uh, and, and one of the first things I thought 
going into the offseason as far as trying to find a need was like they could use a, a left-handed hitter that is, you know, league average or slightly above, that's got a little bit of pop, that can play around, you know, the outfield, and you're comfortable with him starting if you have to, but you can also do better than him. And it just came back around to saying that Fowler is that guy. He fits that description. Uh, so, yeah, I agree. He he would be great in more of a fourth outfielder role if you've got, you know, three outfielders that are obviously performing better. Uh, what the big thing will be is whether or not they have the the willingness to make the switch uh, when the time comes. Uh, that's something that they we didn't really see this year because, um, you know, Bader was struggling quite a bit. Um, Ozuna was hurt, and yet we saw, you know, Edmund and Munoz playing in the outfield as opposed to, like, Lane Thomas, uh, who was on the roster at the time, and eventually a Rosarena. So we didn't see that willingness to just put the kids in. We saw willingness to play the familiar face, even though they're the lesser talent, at least in, in the case of Munoz. Edmund... Eventually, I mean, he, he had a b- pretty big dip a few weeks in, and then he rallied big time and was fantastic down the stretch. But um, it was still really bizarre to be playing multiple infielders in the outfield uh, as opposed to outfielders. So yeah, that's that's something we have to watch is if you get into the year, like say you go into the season with, Fowler and Bader in, in center and right, um, you know, and one or both of them is struggling in, you know, the, at the end of April, are you able to pull the trigger and, and make the switch to Dylan Carlson if he's sitting at AAA and, and raking at AAA? Are you, are you willing to make that move or are you going to kind of drag it out like they did last season? Yeah, and, and another factor too, um, is what Carpenter does too, because if Carpenter's having a bounce back season, he's going to play every day at third. And I think we, we pretty well know that Edmund is going to play most of the time somewhere. And if Carpenter's hitting, then that is going to be in the outfield more than, more than anywhere else. So, um, that kind of limits you. If you've got Edmund playing somewhere out there, you're running Fowler out there every day, and then if you if you want to keep a commitment to Bader, that there's your you know your regular outfield there, and that's not getting that's not finding out what you have in any of the other guys like like we'd like to see them do um, if they don't make an addition. So I think that's a big part of it is just what you know just what Carpenter does. How he looks in spring, I guess, a big deal, and just kind of whether he earns everyday playing time. Right. Yeah. Carpenter's definitely a big part of that because of the, uh, because of Edmund, uh, the fact that, that factor, uh, and Edmund, yeah, he becomes like one of, when you were talking about, there's, you know, four guys for three spots. He, he kind of takes one of those spots, uh, with as much as you would expect to see him in the lineup. Cause I mean, even if you dial, Paul DeYoung back like they should and get him down to like 
140, 145 games. I mean, you're talking about 20 games at shortstop. You're going to get maybe 20 games at second base, 15 to 20 games at second base. Um, I mean, in a handful at third base, if, if Carpenter's going well, you're not going to bench him too often. Um, so you're still, I mean, you're around 50 games on the infield for Edmund. And if he's going to start 120 maybe, then you're going to be playing a lot of games in the outfield. You're going to be playing about 70 games in the outfield. Um, so, yeah, you would want to mix and match. And so he, he definitely becomes one of those four that we talk about. Um, and, you know, if you're trying to maximize like Fowler and get the most out of him without playing him constantly, uh, then that works. Um, you're going to find those at bats. But as you think about how the roster is going to end up being constructed, that's kind of something you have to consider is having Edmund as, as part of that mix. Uh, so it really, it comes down to depending on Bader, which I kind of think Bader, he could be bumped. Maybe, I don't know. They really like Bader a lot. So in, I mean, logically he could be bumped pretty easily, but in reality, he, um, he, he's got to pro- probably have a pretty secure hold on a roster spot. Uh, so it becomes like basically one other guy, which you would hope would be Carlson, but um, the wild cards are, are Thomas and O'Neill because O'Neill's got the, the big power. He can do a lot of what you're going to lose with Ozuna. Um, and then you've got Thomas, who is similar to Bader, but I, I don't think he's got the uh, huge vulnerability to uh, sliders. But he's really intriguing because he can play all the outfield spots. He's got speed. Uh, he's got power. So uh, he's a really intriguing guy that I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on as we head into spring training. But uh, it's definitely an interesting situation out there because then you could also go out and add an outfielder in some way in a trade or uh, probably not in free agency. There's not a ton out there. But I don't know. That would really make it even more interesting if you brought someone in from the outside. Yeah, really. I think they just they need to trade one of these guys um, because it, it, any any scenario that we bring up, um, there's somebody left out. Like we really we've mentioned O'Neill's name, but we haven't even talked about him for any of the spots. And uh, he could. It's it's not hard to see him playing himself into. Uh, into a lot of playing time so you know it's just it was just like a year ago that we were extremely high on him in spring training so it's i'd like to see them even if they just move one of them for you know a a prospect that's further away like we've seen him do before i I think that's a a pretty good move they just need to uh pick the right guy i guess you know because they've also got randy rosarena who could you know he looks like a at least a fourth outfielder somewhere. So uh, it's just, uh, they've got a, a big log jam and, um, you know, I, ideally they'd be able to use a couple of them and consolidate to a better, more proven outfielder. Um, but that works a lot easier on paper than it does in real life. Yeah, for sure. That's uh, that's definitely something that, that uh, would be nice. 
uh, to you know do a two for one and and then it uh, clarifies the situation and improves the situation uh, all at the same time. But yeah, it's a little more difficult to do. Um, as far as potential outside options, uh, as far as free agents go, there's, I mean, the top end includes Ozuna and Castellanos. Uh, I think we're, I think it's pretty clear that the interest in bringing back Ozuna isn't, you know, there's not a ton of interest in that. Uh, I think it would be on really limited terms. Uh, so I would, I would think that Castellanos would probably fall in about that same category. He's, he's even worse defensively. Um, but as far as, you know, going down the line a little more, some of the people that would fit that are different than what they have would be like Corey Dickerson. Uh, he's a left-handed bat. He's got some power. Uh, he hits for a good average. Um, and since he was hurt at the end of the year, he, his price might not be too extreme because he's coming back from a fractured foot, I believe. Uh, so that's, I mean, when you look at the free agent list, that's one of the only guys that would fit. Other guys like Avisail Garcia, for example, is not any better than just putting Tyler O'Neill out there and seeing what happens as far as I'm concerned. So you'd have to either find somebody that's better or different. Uh, and Dickerson maybe maybe slightly better, or he's about the same production-wise, but he is different because he's a left-handed bat. Um, but that's that's about all there is on free agents. Um, and then trades is a, is a totally different story. Are there any free agents that you've spotted that, that would be interesting to you? I mean... There's guys that are interesting, but I just don't know uh, how they're, they're kind of like you were saying. You know, I, I guess one guy that's always kind of caught my eye as um, a uh, sort of like a Corey Dickerson fit is Lonnie Chisholm, who I, I kind of wanted them to go after last year. Um, but he had an injured season in 2019. Who knows? I mean, it's just... If you could sign him to a minor league deal, I, I guess bring him into spring and see what happens. But that probably just clutters what you can figure out in spring. Uh, so with, without a trade, I don't, I don't see that happening. Um, he'd, he'd probably go somewhere with a more clear opportunity. Um, so yeah, I mean, as far as free agency, I, I really don't see much. It's just, uh, I do think they'd have a little bit more interest in Castellanos than. Ozuna just because it, it seems like they it seems like there's a lot of things they don't like about Ozuna and you know we don't have to get into all those but uh, Castellanos is younger he doesn't um, have the qualifying offer attached to him and so I think that's probably more attractive to them but either way I, I don't think either one of them is really an option unless uh, I guess that makes Ozuna more likely because his market could bottom out and they wouldn't they wouldn't lose a draft pick by signing him. So, if his market bottoms out and he's wanting to take a one year deal, I could see them uh, being back in on that. But it's that that's about it, really. I mean, Peter Borges is out there, and I'm always going <laughs> to stand for Peter Borges. But 
that's about it to me. Yeah, I, I agree. There's there's just not much there. Uh, so that would leave the trade market, which is obviously probably the better the better route anyway, considering that they've got kind of a log jam of outfielders that are more or less on the same level. Uh, and so you would look for somebody that would be an upgrade that you could maybe consolidate. Um, one name that I've come back to many times because he fits and because his uh, general manager or president of baseball operations, whatever whatever his title is, Jerry DePoto is so willing to trade. Uh, Mitch Haniger, Haniger, I can't even say it now, but um, whatever. Anyway, he's um, he's a really intriguing guy. He uh, had a unfortunate injury. Uh, this season that wiped out most of his year, but he's, I mean, he's been an all-star. He's got power. He's got, he can, he's athletic. Um, he's a really interesting guy that would be an upgrade and more of a, like a known quantity than some of the guys they have. Um, so he would provide an upgrade. He's 29. So his age is good. He's first-year arbitration eligible, so his price is good. And since he's only in arbitration, there's no, you know, veteran contract attached to him that, uh, you know, makes you hamstrung if he doesn't pan out. Uh, So he's really just a a good fit all the way around as far as that goes. Um, I don't know what it would take to get him. I don't know what you know what his value is right now, but. You know, while some people are looking at Mookie Betts, you know, I'm, I'm kind of looking at him as, as a better option for the Cardinals, at least. Uh, obviously, Betts is ridiculous, but uh, the price would probably be pretty ridiculous, too. So, Yeah, uh, I'm with you. He's like the most realistic option to me. He, uh, I think he just makes sense in every way of the type of... Uh, he's coming off a down season, so that, that should help his price out a little bit. But I don't think it's I don't think there was any decline in skill last season. So, um, you know, I, I would have some concerns with him because he's another fastball hitter. Um, but ultimately, I, I, I don't think it really matters. I think you just get the production, put it out there, and. Um, you know, I, I have heard that the Mariners are looking for starting pitching, which is kind of an issue because the Cardinals have starting pitching depth, but if you start trading from it, 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 it thins really quick. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, if they were to trade from their starting pitching depth to get him, uh, I think they would definitely have to turn around and sign somebody, whether that's, you know, just a start, uh, you know, a, a back-end starter or what, but... Um, I do think like he he seems like the biggest move they could realistically make um, because you know you, they've got the the big three rumored on the trade market with Betts, Lindor, and Bryant. Well, first of all, like I think Bryant makes the most sense of those three, but there's no way they're trading significant prospects to the Cubs to get Bryant. Like that's just not a realistic scenario. Um, yeah, Betts. You know, he, he's a clear fit, 
he fits the mold of what they like to do, like what they did with Goldschmidt, but he's going to make $28 million about as he's projected at, and they don't have that room in the budget. They don't have that amount of money to spend about significant prospects to add that contract. I just don't see how they do it. And then I talked about the Dory Lair. I don't see him fit. So Haniger had a player that is better than Ibuna. And then you hope for an offensive rebound from Carpenter and Goldschmidt. And uh, and, and that would be where your your improvement comes from. So I think that would be um, that would be a really good way for them to go. Yeah, I, he, he seems to be a really good fit for me. Um, and one of the better fits that I've, I've found just trying to kind of look around at guys that are a couple years away from free agency. Uh, so there's not, I mean, there's not a ton out there and this is obviously why they are just kind of watching the market to see if any opportunities come up. And so that's, I mean, that's the best route to go at this point because there's not any, I don't know, there's just not, they don't have the same needs as they've had in the past and they don't, and there's not anything out there that's just like, okay, this is what they need to go get right there. It's obvious. Um, but there there are things out there and so they'll just have to see what comes their way, especially on the outfield side. Um, I think we both feel like there's enough in the bullpen that they're probably fine. Real and, quick before you move on. Uh-huh. Uh, I do want to talk about one other one that I texted you the other day. And uh, I think it would be a really easy fit to see. And it's J.D. Davis with the Mets, oh, who yeah. I had mentioned, uh, you know, they're looking for a d- defensive center fielder and, in my mind, if they would take Bader for him, uh, you make that swap right away. I don't think the Cardinals would do that because of how they've talked about Bader. But Davis is like the polar opposite of Harrison Bader. Like he uh, He's terrible defensively. He's going to be a, a bit of a problem wherever you put him. But, man, the guy can rake. He, uh, I, was, I found him because I was looking at what players really crush uh, breaking balls and off-speed pitches, and he's like top ten in the league in WOBA against um, against off-speed and breaking pitches. And then it's looking at him some more, and man, he he's just he, he's hit everywhere he's been throughout the minors. Um, he never had a WRC plus under 130 at any level in the minors. Most of them are in the 150s, and I think it's just his lack of uh, a place to play really kept him from being a, a, a real prospect. And so he he seems like the the bat that they need, like the perfect uh, perfect fit for their lineup. But you, you got to live with him in left field or third base. Um, he's, he's new to the outfield, so I would hope that he could get better out, out there. But um, that I think that's a route you can go because you can plug in a center fielder that's, you know, a downgrade defensively from Bader, but probably not that big of a downgrade between Thomas or Carlson, um, and and really fix your lineup. And and Davis wouldn't have to play every single day. He he could be like your fourth outfielder. He could play some at third, um, and he could you know pinch hit late in games that he doesn't play. Um, so I think with the additional bench spot, 
that they're going to have this year. I think that's um, a sort of a creative way that they could go if they decide to to try to find a bat because it sounds like Davis is available. Yeah, that's a that's a really intriguing one. I'm glad you circled back to that because I completely forgot. Um, and that is a really really interesting guy um, that would do a lot for the lineup. Um, I think as we move on, um, we won't dwell on the bullpen too long. Obviously, it was a really good bullpen this year. And bringing back pretty much everybody, uh, you'll have to do something different in the ninth inning if Carlos Martinez ends up in the rotation, which, fingers crossed, he ends up back in the rotation. That's the best spot for him. But uh, that's stuff they can figure out. There's enough internal guys. Uh, We had talked about this before in text about how we, you know, we don't want them to throw a, a guaranteed a guaranteed contract into the bullpen, and you know have a, a fixed spot out there um, with somebody. So that would, you know, signing a, a veteran free agent would, you know, create inflexibility out there in the bullpen, and that's something that they they should avoid and just be able to use, you know, all the options and rotate them in and out as they can. Uh, which is something that they actually managed to do pretty well this season. Uh, the years before that, they had made they had packed themselves into a corner and been really inflexible in their bullpen uh, with you know like Broxton signings and stuff like that. But this year, they they actually did a pretty good job. They let Gregerson go uh, early on, and then they they were able to be pretty flexible in the bullpen all year, and it worked. They had a great bullpen. So uh, as far as finding somebody, I think limit that to minor league deals and, and non-roster invitees. Try to find the next, you know, Pat Neshek if, if one's out there. But otherwise, you know, just kind of roll with what they have in-house. Uh, what do you think about the bullpen? Yeah, I'm with you. I think the only way that I would uh, I would be okay with committing a roster spot to somebody like a guaranteed roster spot is if they were a sort of like a swing man that they could be an option for the rotation or the bullpen. Um, I think that's, that's a situation where I'd be all right with committing to somebody, but beyond that, yeah, it's just uh minor league invites try to get, because the, the, the uh, really remarkable is pretty thin this year, especially now that Will Smith is already off the market and, uh, there's just not anybody I think that is, you know, really clearly an upgrade. Like, I guess Will Harris, but he's 35. And, you know, I just feel like the way you end up with a bad bullpen is to not have flexibility. Like, if a guy's pitching poorly and he, and he's stuck in your bullpen and you can't get him out of there, you're just going to have a bad bullpen and there's nothing you can do about it. Whereas if, you know, a guy like Genesis Cabrera is you know, stinking up the joint, they can send him down. It's not, and get somebody else that's productive. It's not a big deal. Um, and so it's just, I, you know, I think if they're going to sign anybody, it should be a guy like guys like Trevor Rosenthal or uh, Tyler Thornburg. If they can be on, if, if they don't get a major league deal, those are the guys types of guys you go after, I think. Right. Yeah, Over I agree. Back. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, and they've got several guys that should be ascending players. Junior Fernandez should, you know, continue to grow and ascend and be better. Um, he was 
generally good last year. He had a couple of pretty uh, big uh, blowups um, that you know late in the year that really stood out. But um, he should be a pretty good reliever for you going forward. Cabrera has obviously he got himself onto the postseason roster because he turned it up down the stretch. Um, but there's you know you've got those kind of ascending guys. Helsley is one we've talked about. Obviously he's working himself into a more prominent role we saw at the end of the season. Um, and then, of course, you've got Gallegos, and then a guy that you want to watch that hasn't made it to the majors yet is Cody Whitley. Uh, he's really been you know, just dominating the, the minor leagues and moving up the ladder, uh, and he's, he's really on the cusp. Seems like one of those guys that can come into spring training and, and take a job. Uh, so that's somebody to look at. Generally, what I'm getting at is that there's there's plenty of options in house to to build another good bullpen. So yeah, that's probably probably where that, they need to go. And that goes back to what we were talking about about the trade deadline too, is because you're going to have a significantly better idea of who the good relievers are at the trade deadline than you, than you will in the offseason because relievers year to year are just all over the place. It's it's what's killed the Cardinals through their free agent signings in the past. And, um, you know, because a reliever was good last, doesn't mean he's going to be good next year. And you have a much better idea when you trade for a guy that he's going to have another, if he's having a good season, he's going to continue that for two months. It's a lot more likely. So, you know, that that's an area where if, if you have a need at the deadline, you can do it. You can address it relatively inexpensively. Um, and, fix your problems. It's another situation where you don't have to have your best bullpen on opening day as long as you have it fixed by August. Right. Yep. I, I agree on that. Um, so that would push us to the starting rotation, which we've talked about that being a, a spot where they, they probably need to go get a starter. Um, but I don't know. We'll just, we'll just kind of talk on it a little bit here. Uh, obviously you have Flaherty at the top and Michaelis and Hudson and, and now Wainwright back in the mix, uh, which basically just leaves the vacated Michael Walker spot, um, which on paper you would want to pencil in Carlos Martinez. And if you can do that, uh, you're, you know, a Flaherty and Martinez at the top of your rotation, that one, two is, Pretty much, you know, I mean, it's it's as good as pretty much anybody in baseball um, that you're going to find. So that's that would be the ideal situation. But, of course, it's Carlos Martinez who, unfortunately, you know, we saw it last year. He came into spring training, got shut down, um, never made it back as a starter, you know. I, I don't know. Things just kind of get weird sometimes with him, so... Um, anyway, the, I guess the, um, the idea is if you were going to go out and find a starter, you would want somebody that, that would kind of fit in on the same level as Martinez. And if you have, uh, if Martinez, you know, has to pitch out of the bullpen, then your rotation is at the same level as you were kind of projecting it to be. Uh, if he doesn't, you know, if he can start, then you just have a, you know, uh, 
good situation where you have too much starting pitching and you just kind of sort it out or those things tend to work themselves out as, as the saying goes. So I don't know. What, what are you thinking on the uh, starting rotation? I'm with you. It all hinges on Martinez. I think they're, it sounds like they have a good plan. He's supposed to um, be checking in at Jupiter um, sometime in uh, mid-December, I think it was, probably before the winter meetings, I would guess, to see how that PRP injection went, um, to see whether it's working. I, I don't know what that means. I'm not a doctor. Uh, but um, I trust that they have smarter people than me looking at it. And uh, I guess I guess they would probably go from there if they think he's responding well to it and can build up as a starter. Um, you'd probably just see... Um, probably see them try to wait out the market and maybe add somebody late. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe as a swing man or something. Um, and I, and I think that would be okay. Uh, I personally would like to see them take a shot on somebody that, um, you know, you may not pencil in for a lot of innings, but you do pencil in for uh, good production while they're throwing. Uh, me and you talked about, Hunting Ryu, who I think is a expensive fit, I think it might get too expensive. Uh, so I, I, I'm not sure that would work out, but I'd love to see them sign him. Um, one guy is Rich Hill, that dude's going to be 40, but he's still effective. He's got he's missed a lot of time, but I, I think he would be an interesting arm because you, you know he's going to be good. As long as he's spinning that curveball like he can, he'll be good. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe you only get five starts out of him, maybe you get 20, but, uh, I think that's the kind of arm I'd be looking inside. I don't really care. I don't really, I don't know, the back end of a rotation innings eater really doesn't interest me. Uh, I don't know who, who I'm thinking about. Dollars or something, somebody you expect to make, or even Dallas Keiko, like somebody you expect to make 30 starts, but only be okay. Like, that doesn't do anything for me. Just somebody that can eat maybe 100 innings and be really good for those 100 innings would be uh, the way I would go. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. The like the, the Gio Gonzalez range of starting pitchers. I think you can probably piece that together out of Ponce de Leon or Austin Gomber, uh, Jake Woodford, something like that, or, you know, go find somebody, um, you know, you can probably find a, somebody at least close to Gio Gonzalez as you approach spring training. So you might be able uh, to find Gio Gonzalez as you approach yeah, spring training. <laughs> exactly. So that's something that that's always something you can, you can find, um, or you can piece together. I'm not that concerned. As long as, you know, Adam Wainwright is, is healthy, you know, I mean, he's going to be 38 years old, or he is 38 years old, but uh, as long as he's, you know, healthy and, and pitching about like he did this year, where he's going to, you know, he's going to eat some innings for you and you'll be fine there um, so that you're not trying to piece together two rotation spots is what I'm saying. Right. Um, if you if you've only got to piece together one one spot in your rotation, you can probably do that with your in-house candidates, or you can find somebody um, to, to get the job done. That's that's not too big of a concern. But I think you're right. Um, 
every indication that Derek Gould has been giving in his reporting is that, yeah, they're going to monitor Martinez's progress and hopefully have some clarity in December so that they can either get into the starting pitching market if they have to, or, you know, or they can sit it out. Uh, so, and that's, that's probably the best way to go because you're going to be hard pressed to find anybody as good as Carlos Martinez just out there readily available. Yeah. And that's, that's another situation like the outfield where I think they can, uh, they can sit back and be opportunistic and know that if they, if they really get backed into a corner and, in early February, there's going to be somebody there. Um, and if the market really moves, then maybe they can jump on somebody. But I think you sit back and wait and see. I, I, I kind of think one situation you'd want to really monitor if you were the Cardinals front office is whether the Indians can actually move Francisco Lindor and what, where, what they're thinking there. Because if they don't get anything close to what they want for him, they could turn to uh, Corey Kluber and try to move him. And that's that's a situation where I think uh, they would really want to try to get in on that because he's I don't remember how much he's owed. It's something like 18 million or something. It's it's a good amount of money, but it's nothing crazy. And um, coming off of an injured season, I think that's a that's a situation where they would they could add a starter that actually can give you that impact that Martinez does. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting name, and that yeah, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. The whole, you know, I don't know if if it if things were you know closer together, like events in the off season were closer together, it'd be way more intriguing because there are those kind of things that you kind of want to watch how one market sets up and how you could you know how that can affect other things and all that. Unfortunately, it, it kind of plays out slowly over three and a half months or, or whatever. Um, so it, I don't know. Anyway, I don't know where I'm going with that after, after that, I think I made my point, but, uh, <laughs> uh, is there anything else that we're wanting to cover today or anything else that you have on the mind? Um, well, it'll probably be outdated pretty quick, but today is the, uh, the deadline for, um, protecting players from the rule five draft. I don't think that's going to be too eventful, but uh, it seems like Jake Woodford and Hilarious Montero are pretty obvious ads. They've got two spots open. I didn't know if there was anyone else you thought they might add or how they would free that spot up. Um, but I was looking at it earlier. The only other guys that were, could potentially be added um, were like John Nagowski, uh, Connor Capel and Alvaro Sejas. Um, I didn't know if you thought any of them would be added or not, or if you had looked at it. Yeah, I, I looked into it. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't think Sejas that that they'll. I think they'll roll the dice there. And the other two, I, I don't think they're concerned about at all. Right. Um, so yeah, I think they'll. They might just be if there's somebody else out there. And I, I I had a list at one point of guys that might be eligible, um, or that I at least tried to calculate as being eligible but i don't have that handy um if there's a third person um this is some and i don't i don't know exactly who that third person would be but uh i think this is where you might see dominic leone's roster spot be in question if they if they need to add a third 
prospect to protect from the Rule 5 uh, because Leon is arbitration eligible. He was hurt most of 2018, and then he was ineffective and kind of up and down and couldn't you know, have a secure hold on a, a bullpen role last year. And he's probably going to be looking at a million and a half in arbitration. So I don't know if they're going to hang on to him. Um, so whether or not that ends up being related to protecting a player from the Rule Five, I don't know. Uh, but that's that's something else. I'm gonna I'm interested to see what happens over the next few weeks to see if he ends up being non-tendered or maybe bumped off the roster to protect somebody for the Rule Five. Um, you know, one we'll we'll know that pretty quickly. The non-tender deadline, I think, it's a little bit later. I think that's it's like to, first week of December or something. Like right. That. So it might be a few more weeks before we would know uh, if he's just getting non-tendered. But uh, otherwise, yeah, I think those uh, Montero and uh, Woodford are, are the obvious additions that, that they need to protect. And this is something that they. You know, we disagree with them not bringing up Carlson later in the year uh, because they clearly could have used, you know, taken the chance and see if he provided a spark and helped the offense. Um, but by not doing that, they didn't have to add him to the 40-man. He's not eligible for the Rule 5 yet, so he doesn't have to be added to the roster until opening day if he makes the opening day roster. So they've... As far as a uh, forty-man roster management, they uh, they did it they did it right on Carlson from that standpoint. I, you know, which <laughs> that's a that's the type of thing that people really complain about with with Mo is the a little bit too businesslike in, in some of those type of things. But um, you know, letting the forty-man spot overrule maybe putting a more productive player on the roster in August, but that's that's a whole other rabbit hole that we don't have to go down. But <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. The uh, the only the only one to me that keeps sticking out is, is Alvaro Cejas, and, and not because like I agree with you. Logic tells me he would not need added, but I think I'm just kind of uh, worried about it because of the whole Luis Perdomo thing a couple of years ago, where they plucked a pitcher out of high A that was definitely not ready for the major leagues. Um, and so I, I worry about him a little bit. And, and who was the guy? I'm drawing a blank on it. I think it was the, it was the following year, maybe that they added a, uh, Alan. Well, they had Alan Cordoba that also got picked from, right. Like, from rookie ball. But there was uh, like a, either a year ago or two years ago, there was a pitcher from, um, either a oh, or IA that got added out of nowhere. We didn't see it coming. Um, Dar- yeah, Darian Gonzalez. That's it, yeah. So, like, just the fact that they added him um, in the aftermath of the whole Luis Perdomo thing made me wonder if they might uh, add Sayhoff. I-, I did see Kyle Reese on Twitter say that uh, Sayhoff wouldn't need added, and I certainly trust his opinion over mine. Uh, I-, I think I'm just gun shy about it because of the it, Because, yeah, it's happened before. Um, and he is, I mean, he's. He had a pretty good ERA last year in A ball. Like he kind of he turned the corner compared to what he had been doing. Um, 
so he'd be t- probably ticketed for double A. So he's interesting. Like I said, if they if they really needed to add a third, yeah, maybe he's it. Um, but I also don't think maybe they won't take the. I mean, they might take the gamble on it because uh, they do have some other interesting guys. But I don't know. That's that's a tough call. That's why we don't we don't have to make those decisions. But uh, that that is that is something that'll be interesting to see uh, if they do end up adding him to the roster or, or take that chance. And, um, you know, we'll just see what happens on that end. But, uh, cause yeah, he's, he's a talented guy. I mean, he's only 21. So we'll see. Ooh, I didn't even notice this, but, uh, fan has a, uh, a rule five eligible thing in the header now that tells you that. So that's actually pretty interesting. Yeah, and Ross, I think that's that's uh, the use roster resource for that. So if you go to the Cardinals roster resource page, I uh, gotcha. you can scroll through and see uh, who all's eligible or when they'll be eligible too. So I of, gotcha. It's not always exactly right, um, but it's a really good place to start. Yeah, and and just looking at uh, looking at a couple of names quickly, I my calculations were a little off, so I'm glad I don't have my money because it wouldn't have been accurate anyway. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but that's actually a good thing because a guy like uh, Angel Rondon, who was really good last year in double A, isn't eligible until next season. So, you know, that would have been a guy who, you know, he's a guy who might come to spring training and and steal a job. um, Right. You know, so that's that's just something to watch. But yeah, as far as what they have to protect, it's it's actually it's actually a pretty decent situation this year. Uh, you know, they've a couple. You know, the last few years they've had some you know pretty rough crunches. Like last year, they had to leave Junior Fernandez off of the forty man, and he could have been plucked. But uh, luckily, he was you know coming back from a injury riddled season um, and. He, you know, he made it through, and so they still have him. But you know, that was a that was a risk that they took. Obviously, like a guy like Patrick Wisdom got left off the forty man a couple times. So um, it's it's not as bad this year as uh, as it has been in the past. So that's actually a good thing. But it will be interesting to see if they clear room for Sejas and maybe Dravillion or if they end up non-tendering Leon in a few weeks. So that's definitely something to look at. Uh, another guy that I see is eligible that is probably going to be left off, because I think he was eligible last year, uh, was Max Schrock, who yeah. did he did have a bounce-back season. Uh, he was a lot closer to what he did prior to coming to the Cardinals organization than what he did in 2018, which was pretty uh, pretty down year for him but he still wasn't that great so I think I think they're willing to take that chance considering they have Edmund and uh, Wong at the major league level and you also have Urias and and Edmundo Sosa uh, on the 40 man as well so not not too concerned uh, about Max Schrock but that was one name that I did remember being eligible so he's somebody who might somebody might fuck as a uh, utility player but 
we'll just see what happens on that end. Yeah, I, I do think the the additional bench spot um, might make teams a little bit more aggressive, I guess. Uh, and like that. Who knows? I guess we'll, have to, we'll find out in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that twenty sixth man plays into it. Uh, it's going to be nice because the benches have been really thin because the thirteen man pitching staff is definitely taken hold as the the prevailing trend in baseball uh, but having that extra bench spot will be nice and be you know more normal as far as the position players go um, it makes it easier to carry Jose Martinez so that's For sure that's yeah. a big thing there uh, one thing that I don't know I would assume Ron Hell Ravello still has minor league options Um but he's a guy. I don't. I don't know how you can carry him and Martinez both. Um, he is actually out of minor league options. Yeah, yeah, yeah that he is. Because I don't know how you're... He's a guy that could be outrighted and make it though. He's been all over the place. Yeah, it's. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's possible. Um, but yeah, that's one thing that obviously we can talk more about as we get, you know, in spring training, uh, whenever those decisions actually have to happen, but I don't know how you can carry both Ravello and Martinez who are essentially just bats, uh, because you're not going to, I mean, Ravello's not going to play first base <laughs> over Goldschmidt very often, uh, if at all, I'd rather, you know, the probably prefer if Carpenter's hitting to put Carpenter first and Edmund at third than to play Ravello at first. So you'd have to find that, a new uh, a new three hitter for about four games out of the season though. Yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, I I just don't see where I don't see where those two can be carried at the same time. But that's a conversation for another day. because uh, I'm getting myself off track. But uh, anything else that we want to cover today? Or no, I, I think, think that pretty think well. We got it, got it with that Rule Five conversation. Snuck that in at the end. So that's good. <laughs> well, I had the yeah, I had the list right in front of me, and I had almost forgotten about it. But yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's all I've got for today. Hopefully, we'll have some news soon. Yeah, that that'll be good. Good to be back on the airwaves and get back on the podcast and. Even if we don't have news, we usually have different ideas that'll pop into our head as the off season goes on. So we'll have something to talk about every few weeks. Anyway, that's uh, that's all we got for today. We'll see you later. This has been another episode of the Bird Law Podcast. You can find episodes of this podcast on Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. You can find links to our writing and to episodes of this podcast by following us on Twitter at BirdLawPod. You can also follow us individually at He's Very Good and at LaneStance1. For Adam Butler, this is Rusty Grapple. See you next time.